All right. All right. Yay. Hello. Welcome, people listening to this podcast. I don't know if you're listening to through Spotify or Apple, but this is the Horrible Things podcast, where we're going to talk about some horrible things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Emma Sexton. Uh, I'm your host for this episode. And uh, episode one, we're doing kind of a, a heavy one at the beginning, but we're going to be talking about Ted Bundy because of all this hype, basically, surrounding the Ted Bundy case since Netflix kind of pick this up with the Ted Bundy tapes and um, extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile, which I know it's a quote, but that's got to be one of the worst movie titles of the year. Yeah. So um, have you not heard of Nomeo and Juliet? Nomeo and Juliet. Are you or, kidding? Sorry, that's a classic. N- no, it's Sherlock Gnomes. Oh, is it, did they make another one? They oh, made God. a sequel and it's a really stupid. It's sh- like sh- it's a sh- Sherlock Holmes, but they fit Gnome in there somewhere, but I forget where. They're think, just going to keep making movies. They're like, hmm, what can we insert Gnome into? <laughs> and that's going to be the next movie. Oh, well, wait, now that we've been talking, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? I'm Chase. I'm Caitlin. And I kind of just wanted to ask you guys, like, to start out, where did your interest in true crime come from? Like, we're going to be talking about on this podcast true crime and, like, natural disasters and things like that, but since the first episode is true crime, I kind of wanted to know, like, what was your, like, moment where you're like, oh, I'm kind of into this horrible thing that not a lot of people <laughs> want to hear about or talk with me about? Like, what was that moment for you? Um, So, it started with me when I was a kid. Not necessarily true crime, but I had a really big fear of vampires, and how I kind of dealt was that dealt with that was I got, like, basically... <clears throat> all these books from the school library and like Barnes and Noble nobles about vampires and kind of learned up on how to protect myself and that was kind of my way of dealing with it and so once I started learning more about kind of like you know the famous serial killers and those cases I became really inter- interested in like the psychology of it and how people take such a dark turn like where does it come from what are they thinking as their crimes are happening and learning about the victims and I think researching more into it I felt I got to learn more about this thing I was interested about but I also felt a little it was kind of a comfort mechanism yeah like it makes you feel less anxious about it because you know more yeah Mm. and then I it's also just interesting so that's when I started listening to podcasts like my favorite murder which kind of delves into um a lot of famous cases yeah survival cases podcast yeah you showed me that podcast I did so yeah that's like I think that Oh, we got guys okay here's the truth we literally just had this same intro conversation <laughs> but i forgot to hit record so we're having it again so i know i just said this but same thing it's like it's so weird that vampires are a thing for children <laughs> like it just is so bizarre like that's something that we should be like more scared of the thought of it's basically I, blood cannibalism i made a really good cannibal joke yeah before we realized we weren't recording <laughs> you should so make it again. i should yeah, make it again, again. i'm gonna yeah. say what you said i said it's so weird that we think that children should listen where it's literally someone murdering someone by drinking their blood and like eating them. And I was like, oh, so cannibal serial killers. Yeah. On the topic of Ted Bundy. Well, it was funnier in the moment, you know? Yeah. We're just trying to recreate we it need to do. We need to start, start the, the next part of this Chase, conversation. How, Chase, how did you get... Okay. Tell us your relation to true crime. So is true crime like a TV show? <laughs> true crime is a type of crime it's true like, crime's like learning about like real murders chase is really new to all this so, so yeah talk about how you f- 
your start. Like, how did you so, find it? When's like so the first talk time about you're... today? True crime, as in like a serial killer and stuff. Yeah, well, kind of. Tr- like true crime is like serial killers, like stalkers, like real crimes that happen. Oh, you know? um, yeah. And talking about instead of like watching like a fictional movie or like the way that I've heard it best described is like some people really like to watch like monster movies and that's mm-hmm. like their thing or like creepy like or paranormal. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that freaks me out, like, that stuff is, like, weird and creepy. Not really interested in it. But the thing that I, like, love to watch and, like, it scares me so much is true crime documentaries and things like that. So, it's basically, like, a different type of monster movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, tell us about six hours ago, Chase. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, honestly, the first time I started actually looking into serial killer type stuff was when you, well, when Caitlin was, like, hey watch this movie with me in fifth period and i got pretty hooked to it when we started watching the movie and that's like probably the first legit because i've heard of stuff about ten but ted bundy i didn't know that he killed over 100 people but um or allegedly allegedly but um yeah i i knew he was bad um (laughs) so i'm pretty new yeah because we'll get more into this later but i showed chase the new ted bundy movie that just came out but then I also showed him part of the My Favorite Murder podcast episode where they talked about it. And it was a very much like, oh, so it is really bad. We're going to go through what actually happened. But like after literally only seeing the new Bundy movie, Zac Efron, like what you're like, it's going to I'm interested to hear like what you thought versus what actually happened just mm-hmm. based on watching that movie and nothing else. Yeah, um, I feel like I have a pretty different perspective of what you guys because i know you've done a lot of research so it's interesting to see chase as kind of like the outsider who isn't weirdly into murders and stuff like we are so i just realized i never said when i got into true crime oh which was basically when i got into true crime was okay so i've always been into true crime like since i was literally (sighs) in fourth grade when i picked up the i survived books Mm mm-hmm I oh, those, are- those are like on different things like I specifically remember the reading the shark attacks of 1916 and being like why is this so like interesting to me just like this whole thing and then I think I really got into it but like also got simultaneously freaked out when I was in like sixth grade maybe fifth grade and I was um with my friend and she put on an episode of criminal minds and it was like this really intense episode where this uh like pageant little girl i think it was supposed to be kind of like the jean benet case where this like pageant girl got a tiara stabbed through her eye and they showed it and i was like oh and uh, you're like i like uh, this show me more i hated it (laughs) i hated it and then like three years later i was like this is kind of interesting and i'm gonna watch all of criminal minds and then start listening to true crime stuff well yeah the thing is like it sounds crazy when you say you're interested in it but it's not like we're like you know fast like yeah it's not like we're like oh this is really cool yeah it's more so like it's this is not something that happens in everyday life no, but yeah. it's very real it's, so it's like where does this come from it's not it's like a fast it's like that thing of being fascinated with something so evil like and so disgusting because yeah. it's just like you not can't real. believe that it happened yeah it's like i need to know it's, it's like crazy. presented to you not how the news would tell it to you yeah exactly like with all the details it's not like a short clip it's like here's what actually happened and yeah. then something in i think like caitlin you know this because you're into it a lot too but that you might know chase is just like as it as you learn more about it you're like interested to know more because the little details are what make it the most like oh god mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah so 
Should we jump in? Without, let's let's jump in. I'm to excited. Our, I'm so our excited. Good friend, Theodore Bundy. Yes, our good dead friend. Theodore. Theodore. Robert Bun- Bundy. R- Robert Bundy. So, well, speaking of his name, let's let's get right into it. Um, he was not actually always <coughs> Theodore Bundy, Ted Bundy. He actually was adopted. Um, illegitimate. By, yeah, he he was illegitimate. So. He was born uh, November 24th, 1946, to um, Eleanor Cowell. And so his name was Ted Robert Cowell for a long time. And he was actually born at the Elizabeth Lund Home for Unwed Mothers. So his, obviously, it's 1946. Like, like being illegitimate was, like, not okay okay at all back then. It was very shameful and, like, not something you want. Mm -hmm. And um, she... So his mom said that uh, she had been quote seduced by a sailor, but there's <laughs> that's the way to go. That's oh literally Brandy, you're a fine girl. Imagine being like on the pier or something. You see a man in that like 1940 sailor suit, and he's like winking at you. That's that's the way to go. Well, it kind of gets dark because um, a lot of people actually think that there's a lot of speculation that his biological grandfather is actually his father. Yeah, we and that were, it was incestual. Yeah, oh, geez. they talked about that on the podcast. I showed Chase mm-hmm. like a little. So we're yeah. we're a little like, oh, Chase like um, flinched at that part. Though. Yeah, well, it's really cringy to think about. And that so basically, <laughs> Ted was raised um, thinking that his mother was his sister and his grandparents were his parents. Huh. Which, like, yeah, like that's not that's not cool. But that happened to Jack Nicholson. In other words, you either become a a notorious serial killer or a notorious actor. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the two. <laughs> that's, so that's the only option actually. Just, it's a gamble, but you yeah. know. 50, yeah, you have to you have to roll the dice. You have to say, okay, let's say you have a fifty percent chance of getting an Oscar. So yeah. I don't really oh my God. <laughs> you have a fifty percent chance of being anything. the best joker to ever exist. <laughs> Wait, that was Jack Nicholson, right? Is it Mark Hamill in the Batman cartoon series? <laughs> oh god. Wait, no, he's the jo- yeah, 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 Jack yeah, Nicholson's yeah. a Joker. Okay, yeah, just saying things I'm not 100 percent sure of. We're not, we're not, we're not a Batman this, podcast. Yeah, what are you we're talking a about? This is a things podcast. yeah, this is horrible things. Who knows? Maybe the Batman movies are horrible. Never seen them. So <laughs> okay, that's a different. Let's not try to um, upset our viewers. Yeah, but yeah, I'm so sorry. That was not meant to offend you. You bat heads <laughs> you know how like harry potter it's potter heads are they bat heads they're bat 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 man ma- bat, bat, bat people the batman <laughs> oh my gosh okay so back to ted bunny um basically he lived in philadelphia with his grandparents and his sister for um the very beginning of his life but then um, Eleanor's mom was basically like, I don't want my son to have to live in this place where I know he's going to face all this like judgment from his peers and things like that. So mm-hmm. we're going to move. So he went to go live with his, co- uh, they went to live with their cousins um, in Washington. So-, so when they moved to Washington, she changed her name to Nelson, Eleanor Nelson, oh. just to not be connected with the family at all. Then Johnny Bundy and her got married and then he became Ted Bundy. So, he had three last names by the time he was, like, four or five years old, which Whoa. is pretty crazy. So, they moved yeah. around, like, a lot. I think that's what changed him. Yeah. I think that was the turning point. Yeah, that that was the turning point. When he was three years old, and After he, he got funny, he was like, this is the like, one. I, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to kill people. 
in his later life, like, his stepdad was honestly really, like, nice to him from what I've seen. Like, I haven't read anything that said that he was, like, abusive or anything like that. Like, he seemed like a pretty good guy. And then later, Ted Bundy said that he wasn't very bright and didn't make much money, which is really, like, rude and kind of ironic. Knowing, like, how genius that Ted Bundy is, I imagine, like, a, like... I imagine, like, a seven-year-old, like, smoking a cigar. Like, yeah, my stepdad, not very bright, you know? Like, he's just, like, a genius, and he's, like, trashing well, on his Well, that's the thing, though. He wasn't, like, a genius. He was really intelligent and good at reading people and good at being a charmer, but he wasn't that, like, book smart. Like, he had super intense street smarts, and he was mm. really intelligent, but, it, like, when he went to law school eventually it was hard for him like it was genuinely difficult for him and he was bummed out that he was like oh there's people that are smarter than me mm-hmm. so it's like how do you release that anger you know yeah that- <laughs> yeah the fact that he, he well, kind of like felt like he wasn't good enough i guess so what do you what do you do with that frustration emma yeah well <laughs> that's when you have to go on a rampage we'll get there <laughs> yeah we'll get there but um basically he told Anne rule and uh other crime writers that what he used to do when he was young is he would watch these crime documentaries and look for magazines and things, and um, he would just look at violent things a lot, and that's, like, what kind of impacted his childhood. He also, like, attributed it to, like, porn. Yeah. Too, like, the reason he started. Yeah. Okay, I know a good amount of people who watch porn who probably aren't serial killers, but there's a lot of, like, stigma online about how it affects you, and... It does affect you, but, like, I'm just saying it doesn't make it you murder It probably doesn't make you um, a serial killer, but, like, all, his other childhood stuff was pretty insane. Like, all the um, violent magazines he was looking at. Is that what you said? Yeah, like, he would he would look at, um, like, crime stuff in magazines and look for, like, the pictures of the violence and yeah, things like that. Yeah, Because that normal. would, like, arouse him. That's okay, not normal. the arousal is the thing that throws me off. Yeah. Things like you can be interested in that stuff, like, like you know, true crime, like, I don't say like we are, but. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, also, when we see the bodies, we're like, oh, gosh, that's so it's, awful. And he was like, uh. It's, hey. it's a common. <laughs> hey. It's a common thread um, between a lot of serial killers where they get aroused by things they'll eventually come into play later on, and, like, once they start their rampages, you know? Yeah, and I think the guys on last podcast on the left had a really interesting thing to say about this, because, like, with Bundy, everyone says that it was just that he had no emotion, and, like, that's why he was able to do all these horrible things, but they basically kind of took another take on it, and they were basically saying that it's, like, the problem was that he had too much empathy to the point that he was aroused because he knew that he could feel so much when other people were feeling pain. You know what I mean? Because that's like a strong emotion, I guess. Yeah, I guess. So that, that was an interesting thing. And uh, talking about Ted Bundy's like later in life when he was uh, in high school, he went to Woodrow Wilson High School, which weirdly, my Ooh. grandma went to a high school named that, but it was in uh, New Jersey, not in, not yeah. in Washington. But um, basically, people there who were his classmates yeah he's honestly so he was he said that he was like a self-made loner like he didn't like to be around people but his classmates basically said that he was well liked and like he was a quote medium-sized fish in a large pond (laughs) 
<laughs> they're describing his body type as medium. <laughs> he was like, he was it's like, medium. what do you remember about Ted Bundy? And they're like, uh, medium. <laughs> Honestly, that so describes him though. He's like a white guy with brown he's hair, medium, and brown eyes, medium build, <laughs> like medium. He's, he's the least all, like noticeable person in ever. all aspects of his life. That man is medium. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, well, I was just gonna say like. He sounds like such an asshole. Like, the guy that's, like... Like, everyone likes... It's like that scene in Meet the Robinsons where... Ah, shoot. What's that? The main... Like, bad guy's name. It's like... I've never seen that movie. Goob. (laughs) Goob If that's wrong, everyone's gonna be like, what the hell? Can you search it up? I'll search it. Okay, I think... Meet the Robinsons. The bad guy, I'm pretty sure his name is Goob. And he's narrating. And he's like, in in school, nobody liked me. And then it's Goob. It's, goob. it's Michael yeah. Goob Yagubian. <laughs> <laughs> but basically in the movie, he was like narrating. He's like, when I was in school, nobody liked me. And then it cut and it was him walking through the hallways. And he looks so emo emo and sad. But everyone's like, hey, Goob, what's up, Goob? What are you doing? Like, yeah. That's Ted Bundy's Goob. Well, and the other thing is like, he was a pretty like attractive guy. And so I think. Medium. Yeah, medium. <laughs> medium. <laughs> and I think that it's like. If you're attractive, no matter what, I think it's much easier to be well-liked. Like, even if you're kind of an asshole, if you're attractive, I think it's easier. Well, we'll learn more about this later, but he has a history of, like, knowing how to manipulate people. If he wants to be well-liked, he's going to be Mm well-liked. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. He was, like, very manipulative. And during high school, even though he had that, like, clean-cut, like, just just your average dude, he was uh, arrested twice on suspicion for (sighs) burglary and stealing cars. So not like not like ah I stole a soda from the soda machine. It's like <laughs> it was like I tried to thieve your vehicle. You know, no. like, I am an, I'm going to be charged for out of that. Is but that he what actually, you said? He didn't get no. He didn't Isn't that a quote? Exact quote. No, he uh they were expunged from his record actually. So he never like those things didn't come back to haunt him whatsoever. That just like happened while he was in high school. Okay. And then after he um went to high school. He went to the University of Puget Sound. I hope that I'm saying that right. And I'm pretty sure that's where our friend Mason is going. Like, I'm 95% sure. Yeah. Oh, Mason. So, after he spent a year there, he... That was in 1965, right? Okay. He transfers to... um, And... Oh, I totally forgot to mention this. He transfers to University of Washington in 1966. Then he became... In, he got into a relationship and this is in 1967 that he gets in a relationship with um stephanie brooks and that's not her real name but that's basically what her she's known pseudonym. by yeah her pseudonym and at this time uh they think that it's possible that he possibly already had committed his first murder of an eight-year-old girl in 1967 well and he's technically not confessed to any murders until i think 19 19- 71 is when he confessed to his first murder but they they think that he did two murders in 1969 and that he possibly did kill this eight-year-old girl in 1967 well that's really interesting because that kind of throws off what at least i know about ted bundy because i know what from my belief is that what started his rampage was his you know we'll learn was came from his relationship with stephanie brooks so if there was a murder that did happen before then then it's really interesting too because a lot of people have said from his family and just people that knew him that he was exhibiting these like weird behaviors way before like one of his um 
his aunts, I believe, said that one time she fell asleep and when she woke up, there was like knives all around her and <laughs> Ted was like three years old and he was just <laughs> sitting there with knives. Um. And he was three. And then that seems kind of like, I'm not sure if that happened or yeah, not. Yeah, how but would a three-year-old get to... Yeah, that's how, what I'm saying. What, what location then, do you put your kitchen knives But there is actual evidence of this one girl when he was younger that they were playing in this lake. And he was like eight or ten, I think. And they're playing around. And all of a sudden, he just grabs her and started holding her head underwater. And she literally thought he was going to drown her because he held her head underwater so long. And he's like <laughs> ten years old. But then she like let him up. He let her up, and he's like, "Oh, just kidding. Like it was just a joke." But it was, just a joke, it was like I don't think creepy, we gotta bring that up. You know, up. like I'm just kidding. He was like he was already exhibiting those like, oh gosh, like something something might be up with this kid behaviors. Well, I definitely don't think like he wasn't you know strange or you know a little psychotic until he met Snef- Stephanie. I just think that may Stephanie. Schleffly. Schleffly. The thing that we're gonna go into, I just. I think that's just what set him off, you know? Yeah. But yeah. if the eight-year-old, the murder of the eight-year-old is true, then that kind of Then it like, might be, yeah. Then it might different. be something else. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. So what I was saying, uh, he starts dating Stephanie Brooks in 1967. Uh, he's kind of one of those guys that just doesn't know what he's going to do. Like, he doesn't have a stable job. He's majoring in Chinese, but he's not making great grades. He's, like, not rich. And Stephanie Brooks comes from this, like rich lavish lifestyle she's well connected like all she's ever known basically is like this really nice lifestyle and ted is just not that at all it's basically all passion and um basically a lot of a lot of people think that their breakup is what like spurred him to become a psychopath but um they actually started kind of distancing because stephanie was going to go to another college Mm -hmm. And then he was like, oh, I'll just go near her. And then she's like, no, it's like, we have, we got to break it off. We got to break it off. And then after that, he does what's natural when you want to get revenge on an ex. He's like, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to turn my life around. And he, um. Good, good for him. Yeah, good for him. So he starts volunteering, uh, on a campaign, basically on Nelson Rockefeller's presidential campaign. And he's basically in there, like, doing great, uh, in 1969 actually is the year that he's working on the campaign he stephanie has just like broken up with him and then at that pretty much same time he goes back uh to burlington and finds his official birth records and realizes that he's illegitimate so it's kind of all just stacked up on one piece here that he realizes he's illegitimate and he's been broken up with at one time basically and a lot of people think this is what kind of spurred his yeah his killing so, uh, in 1969, he meets Liz Kendall, who, that's her pseudonym also, but she ha- is the, basically the main character of the new Bundy movie that just that came out on Netflix. About. The one starring Zac Efron? Yes. The one that and, took Twitter by storm. Yeah. And critics, uh, also by a different storm, but we'll get into that. Yeah. And, um, so... I'm going to just go through the rest of this, like, really quick so that we can get into the actual murders, like, pretty much pretty soon. Mm-hmm. But, okay, so he starts dating um, Liz Kendall in 1969. Then he starts working at a suicide hotline in, uh, like, the middle of 1970. He's working with Anne Rule. Um, she has this really crazy quote talking about him. She says he's kind 
empathetic and she says if she was a little bit younger or her daughter is a little bit older he's the perfect man that she would want them to be with which and is insane where is Anne? what was Anne one of the she worked at the to? suicide prevention hall line okay. with him they were they were right next to each other mm-hmm. and oh she talks God. about in in her book about how they used which is amazing you should read it the stranger beside me incredible where she talks about how they were like working next to each other and he would walk her uh, to her car every day at 2 a.m. when her shift was over and just be super sweet and that he told her about her parentage and she watched him sit there and like save lives basically is what Mm -hmm. she says which is crazy because you don't think about that gotta save some for himself yeah it's it's crazy but another thing she basically after the initial meeting really wasn't in danger because ted bunny never murdered people that he knew like before that he just knew like oh so like every murder he had was a i've just seen you and gonna murder you now you know like it was all pretty quick so he um he starts working there he uh majors in psychology uh at uw and then he um gets into law school at the university of utah um he becomes a republican yeah all this stuff just a quick side note if i ever saw ted bundy on the street knowing this information the second he looks at me i'm like hi i'm caitlin nice to meet you I like, mean, he been get like, to know him. Hey. <laughs> At that point, he's like, oh, she's like, can't do that anymore. <laughs> Just be like, hi, like, here's my life story. Just now that we yell know each other. random things. Hello. Just... What's your name? <laughs> at what point does what? At what point is it not just an encounter anymore? It's I don't like know. You're now. I feel like you life. have to know one personal fact about someone. Well, we're about to get into his. Yeah, we're about to so, be friends with you, Ted Bundy. We're gonna kind of go through the crimes that he um, did in Seattle, a Washington area. Just you know, natural progression here. And his first, what's really interesting about Bundy is that his first few crimes are break-ins like he broke into these women's homes or where they were living at the time and that's where he committed most of the crime Mm -hmm. and later on you'll like see that he switches from being someone who breaks in to someone who kidnaps which is really weird like usually it's one or the other you know people don't change up their mo that much but he did and i think honestly that combined with the fact that he's the most average looking person on the planet is like why didn't he connect yeah it wasn't like connected or like known like oh that it would be him but basically his first like victim that we know of not of uh murder but of assault is um karen sparks she was 18 years old and bundy went into her apartment uh in 1974 so this is right around the time that he and stephanie brooks break up so he enters the apartment of 18 year old karen sparks who was a dancer at uw and after he basically beat her uh with a metal rod he uh, he's like assaulted her with that rod and basically um he caused the strength of how far he put the rod in her caused internal damage to her body like that's how violently he assaulted her she was unconscious for 10 days after the assault but she survived luckily thank god uh with mental disabilities so that's basically his first known break-in and then his very first crime um 
where he actually murdered someone was well known was linda ann healy she was a uw undergrad uh she was someone who did the news every single day for their area for the mountains and when she was murdered she was actually living in an apartment with four other people and he went into that apartment and basically like like knocked her while everyone was sleeping and knocked her unconscious and then took her body to taylor mountain which is like where he he was known to take a lot of his victims either to like taylor mountain or the cascade mountains and he uh that's where he murdered her and the only remains that they ever found of uh linda and healy were like bones it's so he brutally murdered her and the only thing they saw in the morning were was blood on the sheets of her bed well what's also like another creepy note to that is that like one of her roommate roommates was um his cousin yeah so (laughs) that uh, basically he was working under everyone's noses yeah and chase did you like know anything about any of that from the movie yeah, you're like no. just soaking it in right now, right? <laughs> yeah. Like... I mean, from the podcast you showed me, they talked about it a little bit. But um, yeah, the movie, well, yeah, we'll talk about it later when we actually get into the movie. But I'm honestly on the side of Ten Buddy Pundy from the movie. That's what they made it seem like. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Because but... when they when he was actually confessing and, and stuff, I'm like, why am I censoring myself? Um they definitely were on the side because they barely revealed any information that you guys are saying right now of course this is like terrible stuff yeah Yeah. we'll get into it more later but i think our biggest like we'll talk about that later but we had a lot of issues with the movie and like how they told yeah Yeah. and we can kind of talk about it honestly as it goes on because there's there's certain parts of it like we're going to talk about in a few minutes but um I'll just get to that right now, actually. So, he basically confesses to the murder of Linda Ann Healy later on. He takes her body to the mountains, um, kills her. It's awful. Uh, and then, in the first half of 1974... So, in 1974, uh, college students in Washington, Seattle area, are disappearing at one per month. One person, one woman is disappearing uh, per month. And so... One of the first victims, her name is Donna Gail Manson. She's 19 years old. She went to Evergreen State College. And she left, basically, her dorm to go to a concert that was on campus. And she disappeared. She never made it to the concert. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about Donna Gail Manson is uh, talking about the movie again. um, And the movie we're talking about, guys, the name is literally so long. I have to look at the extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. Yeah, She is... That when the whole end, when they're showing this has spoilers, by the way, when they're yeah, showing watch the headless the movie before you listen to this, if you the headless body, that is basically Donna Gale Manson. That's who they're talking about because she was decapitated by Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. Was that um, a real photo of her? I don't know if that was a real photo of her, but I do know that they on, the only thing they found of her was her skull, and that was on Taylor Mountain. Oh, so she, they didn't find the body. Oh wait, no, no, sorry. The skull is Susan Elaine Rancourt, who's the next victim, but this one donna gail manson her, she, her head was not chopped off with a um hacksaw it's actually crazy to me that they dramatize this because what actually happened to her so much worse because the whole end of the movie right they take dramatic license none of that really actually happened but here's what he actually did to donna gail manson in 1974 
he cremated her head in Liz's fireplace. Oh. Her decapitated wow. head. He burned it in her fireplace. And he, quote, said that this is the thing he believes Liz is, quote, least likely to forgive me for. That moved Period. Little- poor Liz. End quote. About hmm. burning a decapitated head in her home with her and her daughter living if there. If you guys have seen that movie, that might have been a little hard to write onto the window. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, uh... I burned her head. Head in your fireplace. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, uh, but still, it's like, why did they have to dramatize that? Like, I I just think that they didn't really think of a better way to tell that yeah. detail. So they were just kind of like hacksaw. No, it's so much worse. And the other thing that is so creepy about this is they think that there's a possibility that Ted Bundy actually kept some of the heads of the victims in her apartment. Oh, like oh, decapitated heads. Of, and also, these poor women, like... The amount of force it must take to decapitate someone is, like, horrific, especially when you think about it. Like, it's so sad. It's just so sad. And that's, like, that's the thing. He decapitated 12 women, and the movie only shows, like, this horrible, horrible thing that happened once, and the rest of the first hour and a half, it's like, oh, poor Ted. And then the very end, they show one victim. It's like, no, he murdered 30 women and decapitated 12 of them. A lot of people try to argue, like, oh, the movie, it's it doesn't romanticize him because that's who he is. You know, he's charming and stuff. But the thing is, if you're going to make a movie about Ted Bundy, I think it's important to show, you know, show how charming. I thought Zac Efron did a really great job. At yeah, I did too. Like, who Ted Bundy was. It's just the but script was they, really not well but written. They, show nothing of the other the more important side which is clearly how evil he was yeah and i know it's also supposed to be from liz's perspective but at the same time like liz was a smaller part to his life than we're led to believe yeah and the other thing is that they don't go over like any of the fact that he cheated on her multiple times while they were together he was abusive toward her she had saw weird things in the apartment he was he was like tried to actually kill her once none of that yeah is they did not about. show any, they just had the um the flashbacks on film of when he was just being like looking at her body and that's creepy but like yeah because chase did you have any like clue to like how no what i mean it just looked like a perfect relationship because of course they had background but it's like they definitely should have showed more i, I think that was just for movie purposes. yeah it was like, definitely for, yeah. they made it they were making the movie for the screen yeah it was just like oh yeah look at how perfect this relationship is oh but he's also evil on the other side but it's like no like that you know he but if they wanted to show the actual true story then why and they want to show oh how charming he is they should have included they shouldn't have like just taken out everything that was bad about him because that's not sending a good message especially chase to like people like you who this is maybe the first thing you've ever read about bundy and it's like oh yeah, what a great somebody guy who didn't have any background wouldn't know like all the bad stuff that he did until the very end which wasn't even true so the way that they told the story was split into two but the other bad half that they made up wasn't accurate and like yeah. you almost question like his innocence too like it almost made it like i get that that's what he was trying to do and it, they, it's a tricky situation because it's like where do you draw the line between like their what's real and what's not mm. but it's just like i feel like it was romanticized in the way that they told it from her perspective but they made it 
they dramatized it a bit too much. Like, the fact that, we'll probably get into this more later, but the fact that the, it made it look like every chance he caught, he got to escape, it was all for her. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. It really okay, wasn't. That's a good point. Like, you know, he... He was impatient and sucked. <laughs> and, like, when you read other, like, sources, any other source, really, of, um, about his rampage and stuff, it's not... It's interesting that they made the choice to make Liz such a big part of it, you know? Yeah. It, it, they made her, like, the biggest part of his life. Like, and the movie ends on her. I understand completely that it is supposed to be, like, her perspective, so, of course, she's gonna be, like, one of the biggest parts of the movie, but the fact is, the movie's about Ted Bundy, and it, you know that it is because, like, basically the entire middle portion of the movie, Liz, like, is barely in. It's just, like ted representing himself in court and all these things but it's not like showing everything and I, it, it certainly isn't accurate i think there's a better way to show how charming he is than telling it through liz's perspective yeah because i think what they're trying to do is show his double life but i don't know i just feel like if you're gonna do that you gotta show the other life like yeah instead of just the good part yeah. like I th- what I was waiting for was them to really kind of show what kind of monster he was. And they sort of did that in the trial. And they sort of did that when she showed the photo. But not to the extent. Like, Chase, you're from, still... Oh, like- yeah. From my perspective, they only really showed it when he wrote Hacksaw. Because... He, okay. Like, he's a really good actor. But um, when he was saying that he was innocent in the end, the only reason I kind of knew he was innocent... Or not innocent because of the background i already knew about him like it was pretty confusing and it would be confusing for people who didn't have any background yeah so do you want to keep yeah keep going back into it uh after the murder of donna gail manson uh on that was on march 12th and on april 17th susan elaine rancourt disappears uh while walking on campus also uh outside of washington or in washington outside of seattle uh and then this is the first time that basically there are reports of a man walking around wearing a sling asking women to carry his books to his car for him. And that's basically how Ted Bundy got people into into his car. He played the helpless victim because he just like knew. A bitch. Yeah, well, and also I think he knew that he like he's not just going to be be able to use his charms and his looks to get people into his car. He has to use this, oh, I, I need your help. I need and play it's, on people's emotions. So he was sick. so manipulative. It's so sick to pry on people with empathy. Yeah. Like, I know he didn't think of it that way. Like, I'm specifically going to go over, go after people who are caring. But it's just like, when you look at the grand scheme of things, it's like, he really just took the people that were willing to help. Like, it's important to yeah. focus on the victims, too. Yeah. And, um... On May 6th, uh, Roberta Kathleen Parks is leaving her dormitory at Oregon State University, and she never arrives at coffee with her friends. And honestly, this is just a good... I know lots of people have said this before, but it's just so important. Like, as someone who's going into college next year, like, I'm terrified to, like, be on my own and also, like, know that there's a very, like people like to prey on like young girls especially college girls like you see it with a lot of these serial killers and it's really like scary and something that i've learned from honestly just like reading and watching all these is that a grown man 
never needs my help, honestly. If it's not someone I already know, if it's a stranger who's a grown man seeking out me, a 5'6", like, small woman, he doesn't need my help. Find someone else. If you're a grown man and your arm is in a sling and you need help carrying your books, find a dude because women, like, you gotta be skeptical of that stuff. A grown man who's probably more muscular than you, taller than you, bigger, doesn't need your help. It sucks that it's, like, us that has to worry about that, you know? That's just, like, we, even if the person has, like, pure intentions or whatever, taking into account all the stuff that has happened, especially with, like, Ted Bundy or even more recent, like, because this is just, you know, we, it's always, like, because we're, we, like, you know, we're easy, (laughs) we're gonna be the ones to reach out and help, and it's, like, we're the ones that are also at most risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, it's, like, we can't be the assholes here when we're like, oh, sorry, we can't help you with your book, sir. Yeah. It's just like, you know, it's yeah. things like this that make me want to, that make me more cautious about who I lend a hand For to. sure. And helping somebody who is handicapped, like anybody in, like, if you're in a normal society is willing to help. So that's like one aspect that he was preying on. But um, the fact that it's like woman and <laughs> like from his first breakup, that might have been the thing that set him off too but there's definitely statistical evidence that women are more preyed on just because uh, okay just because of um like uh, stature yeah just like being smaller by nature yeah but i'd say that's not necessarily the root you know, it's more so yeah. just like they have a sexual attraction to women. Yeah. It's and like also, their type. I totally forgot to tell you this, but um, Stephanie Brooks and basically oh, every yeah, girl this is a big deal. in uh, oh, yeah. Stephanie Brooks had long brown hair parted down the middle. Mm-hmm. Every single one of Ted Bundy's victims had long or brown brown hair parted down the middle. Yeah. And Liz had that. And Liz style. had long brown hair parted down the middle. Yeah. It's terrifying. I, part of me wonders because they met in a bar, right? And part of me wonders, they were meeting for the first time. I cannot believe that she was not a victim. Like, it blows my mind. Yeah. And they definitely used that to romanticize the movie because he was like, I fell in love. Like, she was the special one. Yeah. I fell in, like, he said, like, I fell in love with you the moment I saw you. And (sighs) the way they presented that, it was just like, this guy's so innocent. But it's. I just got to bring this up real quick because, like, this is one of the things that, like, really, like, where it's like, they romanticized it mm-hmm. the part where liz came to visit him and she said molly made this for you and it was the shark drawing and yeah i'm looking think at that it that actually happened I, yeah i'm sure it didn't and so like he's looking at the shark drawing and he's like like in your head you can see he's saying like i gotta get out for molly <laughs> like shut like no he needed to get out because he was see- impatient and he didn't want but to the be. fact that he like had emotions because of this drawing yeah. that molly mm-hmm. drew for him yeah. it's like no like he's not so he's not he doesn't see himself as this like father figure that needs to be there for her and he cares about his like you're the fact that you're showing that as like a big part of like why he needs to get out and how much emotion connection he had to the shark drawing like mm. that you're yeah. just making him likable at that point yeah that's so true outside of just his personality yeah so going back to the actual case <laughs> i could yeah. talk about that movie for four hours on its own uh okay so his next victim uh at this point king county police department is realizing that all of his victims are women that are white young attractive college students with long hair parted down the middle and 
I the people always talk about the long hair parted down the middle part, and I totally agree that's creepy and horrifying. But another thing that I find really strange is how much he loved the college environment. Like, he was obsessed with being around college campuses, partly, I think, for the fact that there was so many, like, victims that he could potentially, like, have. But even Mm. when he moved to Tallahassee after his second escape, which we'll get to later, he moved right next to Florida State University. Like, he just loved, and Ann Roll talks about this, he wanted to be near a campus. Yeah, and that probably has to do something with his um, law background, too, because the campus is right there, and that's just, like, the perfect front for wanting to be... He's a law student. Yeah, so it's okay. I'll just hang out near these college girls. Yeah. So, on June 1st, uh, Brenda Ball is... um, missing after leaving flame tavern and she was last seen in a parking lot talking to a brown-haired man with his arm in the sling and she is killed and uh then on june 11th just shortly after that uw student george ann hawkins uh is kidnapped while walking down an alley and i think there's some statistic like it was only like 50 yards and it was a brightly lit like place to be walking Mm -hmm. and she just he like grabbed her basically like she just disappeared and uh later this the saddest part about this so georgian hawkins is strangled and decapitated after being kidnapped and uh in his confessions ted bundy basically says that georgian hawkins is the first victim that he um had sex with after her death so she is the first victim of necrophilia which is so disturbing and i yeah it's too awful it's just so awful and it just gets worse like you can see him spiraling you know no for sure Mm -hmm. as and you can even see the victims getting closer together like he'll take a little break and then it's like more and more victims it's like horrible and And then we'll see this more later but he's also getting like sloppier yeah that's just like i see apparently that's something that happens a lot with psychotic serial killers well where everything at the very beginning is very planned out meticulous and then as they kind of spiral you see that their murders get closer together they're not as careful they're sloppier and that's what eventually like you know he's honestly not that careful because he introduces himself to these people as ted and he's always seen same car light brown volkswagen beetle yeah he and doesn't change up his methods no he changes up what he does to the victims but not really how he gets and another like horrible thing about this is that at this time uh he's working with the department of emergency services which is an agency that helps find missing women and that's where he first oh, met and started dating carolyn boone that's where him and carolyn boone met um oh but this is before liz though right no this, this is, is this is uh wait yeah yeah wait no sorry this is this is after liz okay because okay. in the they, movie she was cheating he was cheating on liz with oh, caroline okay, boone was... and several other women mm-hmm. okay because he was engaged while he was dating yeah. oh i don't think you touched on i'll just say it very quickly while he visited stephanie yeah that's coming girlfriend. that's coming up oh that didn't happen yet okay i got you yeah okay that part is so weird but uh so basically he's working with des searching for missing women just ironic and awful um after all these women get reported missing there's like a a drop in people hitchhiking there's all these things because back in the 70s hitchhiking was normal now never i would never hitchhike i would be too terrified that's how i don't even ride my bike alone at night in most serial killer like cases i hear from the 70s and 60s everyone's hitchhiking and that's crazy and then also (laughs) just a quick side note everyone was 
all the serial killers would climb through windows. Like, that yeah. was a very common thing to and just And this is 1974 still, so it's just crazy. And in July of uh, 1974, it this is the, a lot of people know about this, the Lake Sammamish State Park mm-hmm. uh, incident. This, so, for the people who saw the movie, this is the big event that kind of starts everything. Yeah, pretty where, much. Yeah. Where, where people, he's like insane. You have never heard about this, Chase. No. Yeah. Well, okay. actually, they talked about it a little bit. But you, he hasn't yeah. heard that. So basically, oh, it's Washington. It's a sunny day. Lake Sammamish uh, State Park is absolutely packed. Mm-hmm. And uh, among all the people, Ted Bundy is there. And he is basically going up to women and saying, um, can you help me get my sailboat into my light-colored Volkswagen Beetle? Can you help me? My name's and Ted. He's, yeah, he's in, <laughs> hi, I'm Ted. Can you help me get my sailboat into my car? Hi, I'm So medium. basically, he yeah, says this to four women before one says, yeah, I'll help you get your sailboat into your car. Mm-hmm. And this is Janice Ott, 23. Um, and she accompanies him and never comes back. So he ties her to a tree um, in the forest near Lake Sammamish. And then he goes back down to Lake Sammamish and he asks the same question and gets Denise Nasland to go back up with him. Four hours apart, he gets another victim, brings her to the same area, and Bundy uh, actually said that he murdered Denise Nasland in front of Janice Ott. Oh, God. Oh, my God. And then killed Janice Ott. And it's... Uh, after this that basically everything explodes because he has taken two victims in one day mm-hmm. and people are freaking out people are calling in tips they release the very first sketch of bundy this is when uh liz and and rule and, and that's the scene in the movie that the supposedly big twist where yeah. Liz is like i call i was the one that called him in yeah so. so a lot of people call him in and he makes his way onto a suspect list yeah so the police who are getting like tons of tips every day after they release this sketch they basically say oh no it can't be this guy he's a law student and he doesn't have a criminal record Mm -hmm. and so they basically brush him off and don't pay attention to him even though he was reported by like four different people so um later the remains of ott and nasland were found as well as uh some remains of george ann hawkins uh manson's remains obviously were never recovered he incinerated her head in liz's fireplace and Did they ever uh, find the body no they only found uh remains from linda and healy susan rancor um and then parks ball and yeah and Otten nasland those are the only victims who ever had remains found um from washington which and it was always bones and something really really creepy about this is that ted would Ted Bundy would leave the site after he buried the victims and then he would go back up and just sit with the remains. They were talking about that in the podcast. It's just horrifying. It's creepy and terrible. And uh, basically he was committing, committing necrophilia, doing necrophilia. Was he? With all the victims after George Ann Hawkins, pretty much. That's terrible. Yeah. So it's absolutely awful and he would just go and the other thing that really makes me annoyed is that when he was on death row after he died he said he wanted to be scattered with the remains of his victims and i'm like did they screw you i don't know if they did i doubt they did but still that's like one of the most annoying things i've ever heard in my life he's just like he's a douchebag like just the way he goes about everything like he's so entire 
entitled like even oh i can't even we'll get into that but yeah so, i just want to make a quick note this is that all in 1974 this is all too. this is this all happening like sammamish uh georgian hawkins like all this is this all happening while he's dating liz yeah he's dating liz that's oh at the time and I, this i feel like none was, of that you ever see in the movie at all i yeah. feel like i was a little hard on her for a second because i was like um she's not a huge part of it like i when i said that i meant like she's not a big um she's not directly she wasn't the main character in his story you know yeah but it, i do feel incredibly bad for her because like she's basically i'm pretty sure like in love with this guy yeah. who is one of the most evil men on yeah Earth. ever yeah ever. and he's doing all this stuff like to sexually to corpses murdering women and stuff and then he'll come home and she's like you know hey ted yeah it's just like he's got this whole other life going on and this innocent woman who's just like kind of charmed by him too like doesn't realize any of it and i feel terrible for her because imagine how she felt once once all this info came out afterwards yeah like it makes you think if he planned getting in that relationship because in the movie to have I, kind I, of like an an a just, cover uh-huh because in the movie i don't know if you guys know um know any information about this but did she did liz try to protect him in court besides like the two that she went to because she was just sitting they she never visited him in jail and they say that their relationship did last into um a lot of the convictions but mm-hmm. basically she broke off all contact with him pretty much before the florida murders i okay. yeah probably just because like Cause got, she was he was gone like he was, he was in jail prison and he was he in prison his... they were she was in washington and he was in utah colorado florida like mm-hmm. and michigan yeah like what <laughs> he's just everywhere well okay this actually gets right back into the story because um he left liz in seattle to go to the university of utah uh law school and while he's there, he dates a ton of other women. He was not this perfect boyfriend. He's cheating on her all the time. Mm-hmm. Abusing never, her. Yeah. Never touched on that in the yeah. movie. Yeah. So basically, it's really bad. Uh, and this is where he kind of gets upset because he realizes, I'm not as smart as all these other kids that I'm in school with. And he's kind of upset about it. And the month after he moves to Utah, this is um, 1975 now. Yeah, 1975, I'm pretty sure. He uh, raped and strangled a hitchhiker and then disposed of the remains. Um, On October 2nd, he uh, grabs Nancy Wilcox and brings her to a wooded area. This was supposed to be a kidnapping where he basically said, I'm just going to take her into the woods, rape her, and then put her back. Basically. Because he was trying to de-escalate. So... He takes her, kidnaps her, brings her into the woods, rapes her, and then ends up strangling her. So he is basically out just, of control. Yeah, he lost yeah. all control, yeah. basically. Like, this is just his, this is him now, you know? Yeah. It's hard to kind of de-escalate from there. Yeah. And then on October 18th, so keep in mind, that was, when did I say that was? October 2nd. October 18th, he grabs Melissa Ann Smith. She's 17 years old. She is the daughter of the police chief, which is crazy. And she is killed by um, Ted Bundy. And they find her remains in the mountains nine days later. They think that she, after she was kidnapped, she may have been alive for up to seven days. Oh, God. Seven days following the kidnapping. 
And on October 31st, Laura Ann Aim, I hope I'm saying that right, 17, uh, also disappears after leaving um, a restaurant and her body is found, uh, her naked body is found by hitchhikers. Uh, and both of these women were beaten, raped, sodomized, and then strangled with nylon stockings, which is awful. And um, these two victims, it's very weird because, again, he kind of strays from his normal way that he does things. And he does post, um, after they died, he had these rituals where he applied makeup onto their bodies and shampooed their hair what after they were dead yeah i did not know about do they know are these some of the murders that he confessed to yeah that's very interesting because i haven't really heard of um a serial i didn't know these details before but i didn't i usually when serial killers have those weird things that they do to the bodies it starts from the very beginning or like yeah. some form of it it's kind of strange how like it just started well now. that's what i put on my notes i wrote these are more ritualist ritualistic after quotes de-escalating and then when i was like the shampooing and the application of makeup i just wrote bundy wtf because <laughs> it's like such a weird twist to mm-hmm. be just randomly start doing that and this is all in utah and um on, on november 8th this is where uh, kind of you actually see this in the Ted Bundy movie. This is Carol Duranch. So basically, Ted Bundy goes up to Carol Duranch at a mall, I believe, or a restaurant, and says, "Hi, I'm Officer Ted. Ro- I'm Roland. Ted Roseland. I uh, someone's trying to break into your car. I need you to come with me." And she's like, "Okay." And at first, when I first heard this, I was like, "Oh yeah, like I would totally fall for that." But then I realized, like, she like how would he know what car is hers you know like the little things where it's like you might not question it because we're so like oh authority like a police officer is telling me that i need to go i'm gonna listen but it's like how would he know and so basically he grabs her he pries on the people who he knows are easy yeah like just people who are complicit looking so then she gets in his car a volkswagen beetle which i'm like okay the police the police car of the 70s yeah that is the police i i mean now it might be a little harder to tell because there's police officers driving like priuses nothing against priuses i own a prius but like (laughs) yeah i've seen police priuses i'm not even kidding i'm I'm just imagining like okay so first of all see an exempt license plate a little a little um pov right now okay you're sitting in a restaurant with whatever you're eating and a police officer did, did he have a police did he have a costume he had a badge he had a costume okay so he's wearing a costume and he's like hi your car it's getting broken into yeah he's like okay let me go with you you go out your car is fine and he's like all right well you're gonna no, need to he go just my- told her you have to come to the station with me yeah so it's like there's no like you know you yeah. think that you'd go see your car i'm assuming like well it was- she she notices that though because when they're in the car she's yeah. like we're not going to the police station and that he's sounds- like but it's like imagine like because y- she must have been this isn't necessarily on her because it's like a police officer is telling you this you just listen you know yeah you don't want to start any beef with the police officer yeah so they're like get into my car you're like okay the golden volkswagen beetle and she's like okay like i just it's crazy to me how careful we need to be about this stuff well and also i will i think it's like just now we're so much more aware of it now like growing up you know we had like stranger danger don't talk to a stranger don't get in a white van like Mm -hmm. never accept things from people you don't know and back then it was like 
a totally different culture you know yeah like we're scared to get in ubers now and back then we were we wanted people to pick us up yeah okay so basically carol deranch is like uh we're not going to the police station right now this is definitely 100 percent the wrong way and then he's like frick so he pulls over into the shoulder he I've been caught. tries to hit her with a crowbar she grabs it there's a struggle and basically he gets these handcuffs on her and he's like oh i'm good but being an idiot he <laughs> like i'm glad he was an idiot but the still idiot he put is. both handcuffs on the same hand so what happens is he starts driving and she opens the door and jumps like a badass and gets out of there fuck ted bundy yeah and he still has the key so then she just freaking runs and he's like okay so she she escapes thank god this Mm. is what i'm saying about like when they start to spiral like this is where mistakes start to happen you know not yeah like i know there's a struggle and stuff but like i don't know i just feel like you see more mistakes in this kind of stuff once it goes deeper in to his like rampage and it almost makes him think like there's one gone she's she's that's even probably like the best source of evidence of what he's been doing so like he has to do even more now yeah well no here's the thing though you would think oh slow down like try to fix this situation but no literally later that night that same evening he uh grabs deborah jean kent 17 year old uh high school student and basically kills her that night that same evening that he picked up carol ranch but this is where he makes his very first mistake because he he's been so careful up to this point not to leave any forensic evidence but Mm. that night people see him and not only that they find the key to carol deranch's handcuffs in the parking lot of the high school where deborah kent was abducted so basically that connects him to two crimes how like careless do you need to be to leave this to have this key like in the parking lot well you you need to be in a frenzy and he was but the thing is like i just imagine like okay you still have this key to the handcuff to the girl that already escaped wouldn't you like put it in a like not keep it just in your like pocket able to like fly out or whatever i just the thing i find just like it's luck crazy about this is that you see his victims seem to be getting younger and younger is another thing that kind of freaks me out because he was all about college students and now it's all about like he's kidnapping high schoolers and another thing that's crazy is after liz reported him for the second time he went back to seattle for his finals and then spent a week with her and then uh she didn't tell him that he she reported him three times but Uh. he comes back they're hanging out and then she makes plans to go out there which like i know it's like it's obviously not her fault and like it's crazy to try even believe that but it's like he was so good that he had people reporting in one minute and then saying like that's gonna- what i was gonna say because it's interesting that she had the courage to kind of to say like it could be my boyfriend that's doing these terrible crimes yeah but then also just hang out with him once he comes by you know it's like she didn't break it off because she that's what suspicion. she was like rem- reminiscing the whole entire time he was gone just that yeah. like trance that she was in so all of that there. and i lied all of that was 1974 literally all of that that's insane one year that was all in 1974 in 1975 he moves from utah to colorado because his killing spree lasts four through four states so they completely skipped utah and colorado in the movie but he was in four different states that he murdered people so in colorado uh january 12th he murders karen aline campbell uh in the wildwood inn and then on march 15th he murders um uh ski instructor julie cunningham who's 26 
Uh, he told investigators later on that he came to her on crutches and asked her to carry something. Then he handcuffed her, assaulted her, strangled her at another site. And weeks later, literally like a long time later, he drove all the way from Salt, Wa- Salt Lake City back to Colorado just to be with her remains. The Ugh. the thing with, because I know, you know, this probably was him and I'm just, but in my own head, I'm just thinking like 26 year old, like this is a little different than like the younger girls he has been going to, even yeah. though I'm sure it is him. Like it just made me think like, well, and he confessed what, to that one. I'm saying like, what kind of what murders do you think he confessed to any murders like maybe not necessarily these murders he didn't do yeah because he's a liar you know i don't think so because i'm pretty sure these are all the ones that they know for fact he did and some of the other ones like the hitchhikers at the beginning or the Mm -hmm. eight-year-old girl or there's some other ones where they think there may be some hitchhikers he killed in like santa rosa i think Mm -hmm. but i think those are all the ones where it's like do you think maybe bundy maybe not Bundy. do you think there are any that he just confessed he confessed to though like he not, did that's he crazy. said i killed over 100 people i'm pretty sure but i'm but do i don't was... think he did i think that he killed more people than it says but i think that he also was lying for attention a lot, like probably a lot of time he's, he, you Hopefully. Know, he's a pathological liar that's kind of his his way of doing things so yeah that's that mu- what makes me wonder it would be also extremely twisted for him to take the credit like quote-unquote credit for murders that weren't him you know to yeah say like oh whatever like i did that too like taking yeah. pride basically but i don't know for sure i don't know if he lied about these ones or anything i'm just saying like because i know it's happened before where murderers have like already convicted serial killers have admitted to other crimes that they didn't do so. yeah so then after this um he kills denise lynn oliverson who's 25 who disappears while riding her bike to her parents house uh, all that they find is her bike and her sandals, which is horrifying. And this next one, I can't even describe how upsetting it is. It's uh, Lynette Don Culver from Alameda Junior High School in Idaho. Uh, he drowned and then sexually assaulted her in a hotel room before disposing of her body. Uh, she was 12 years old. Oh, fuck. That's terrible. Fuck. Yeah. It's like. That's gross. He killed two 12-year-olds. So, like, really young now. Really young. Like, high, like middle school. It's honestly, like, that one makes me want to cry. Just because Jack is 11 years old, my little brother. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's so young. And he's, like, old. They're babies. He's in his 20s. And the like, thing I is, think, like, it's so. also terrifying to think about because the other murders, they were sexually, like, um, that that's a, the start. Like, part of the motive is very sexual. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah. is that the same for these yeah, like, so he's not only a necrophiliac, he's not only a murderer, but he's a pedophile, basically. Yeah. It's horrifying. He's, he's a monster in all ways. Like, he's... And I think it is good. Like, I'll I'll say this for sure. The best part of the new Ted Bundy movie is, past, is the last 20 minutes. And I do like that they reference the fact that he did kill a child. And a it's, like, so disturbing and horrible. And it's just something they had to touch on more. Like, yeah. they really just didn't... The crazy thing is, too, he murders her on May 6th. In mid-May, three of his co-workers from DES, he's, like, uh, including Carol Boone, visit him in Salt Lake City, and then he spends a week in Seattle with his girlfriend, and they talk about getting married. And this is, like, a week after he murders a 12-year-old. He, it really is a double life. And what I No, it so is. What I was watching about the, in the movie where he you know avidly is like i didn't do it i didn't do it like the entire time and he's so convinced by it and it was like that in real life too 
I just, you know, he's so manipulative. You never really know, but I know that there is this thing that many, um, that a lot of people are able to do, which is convince themselves that the lies, that their lie is true. You know, like after they do enough self-convincing that they can partly convince themselves like, oh, I didn't do it. You know, it's like a psychological thing and I forget what it's called, but you're able to convince yourself these things that aren't true. Like you kind of change what you remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, And it's, I totally agree. It's so crazy to think of. I think that it does get emphasized a ton how like he was so manipulating that you would never even consider it. it was such that double life that like it honestly makes me have like trust issues because i'm like you can't trust anyone liz dated him for seven years reported him but still talked about getting married to him like that kind of double life why did she think he was gone so much well yeah. she knew that he was in utah for law school and she oh, was okay. still living yeah, in Seattle. yeah i forgot he was in law school so yeah still and a quote unquote yeah so he's he's still going to law school um he has relationships with two other women not just carol boone and liz um and on june 28th susan curtis is uh disappears and she is the last confession that he made to her murder uh the bodies of nancy wilcox deborah kent cunningham oliverson culver and curtis are never recovered they never found the bodies it's like horrifying and then that august uh, in 1975, he's baptized into the Church of Latter-day Saints. What the fuck? So, he's raised Methodist, basically, but then he becomes a Mormon. I th- honestly think it's because he's just like, well, I need to find somewhere to belong. And he becomes, like, this great... People love him in the church. He's, like, church looked up to. He's just, like... There's children all around there, too. That's the thing. Oh, my God. It's like... Oh, God. I think he was just someone that needed something to do, you know? Really just push his limits. Like, yeah. I'm doing all this stuff. Let's also become a Mormon. You know? It's like, yeah. like, what else can I do? What else can I do to fit in and gain the trust of these people? Yeah. Basically. And so, in August of 1975, that's when that scene that's in the movie also happens where he gets pulled over because he's, like, speeding. Mm-hmm. And then they find a ski mask, a... Um, mask made of pantyhose a crowbar handcuffs trash bags rope ice pick all found in his car so uh bundy like tries to explain this away but then they also find uh that he has a similar car to the one from carol durant's kidnapping they have their his name from liz's call uh and then when they search his apartment they find guides to the ski resorts and um where the ski resorts where Julie Cunningham was and also uh, a check mark from the Wildwood Inn, which is where Karen Campbell was abducted from. So they find all that in his apartment. And um, they also find a brochure that advertised the play that was happening at Viewmont High School where Deborah Kent was abducted. And so he's released, basically. He's, he's released um because they don't have enough evidence after finding all that stuff in his apartment it's like this is a huge coinky dink right here and he says later that they missed a bunch of polaroids of his victims that oh my were also God. in his apartment at the time I don't and think he also said later hard. well he said later um that when you do such good work <clears throat> you want to keep a momentum of it oh, fuck. oh disgusting. yeah it's horrible and i feel like he's basically under like they're cert- they watch him after that uh liz is like i've seen some weird stuff around his house like people should people should really like 
check this guy out. out. And Liz is getting increasingly basically more suspicious. She says, this is a, a quote from him, that she thought he was stealing. So when she asked him about it, he said, if you tell anyone, I'll break your effing neck. Wait, I'm like, when was this? This was in 1975, after he's on surveillance. He says that to her. He becomes really upset whenever she says she might cut her hair, uh, which was long and brown and parted oh, down the middle. God. And uh, she, this part is in the movie. She would wake up in the middle of the night to find him under the bed, uh, and he's looking at her body with a flashlight. I just want to know why not Liz, you know? It's Me so, too. Because the thing's like, it sounds like he got really close. And this what is around the time... It- too that liz finds out about stephanie brooks because basically this is something else um when bundy moves to utah and basically is in law school mm-hmm. he basically gets back together with stephanie brooks and they date for like a year and then get engaged and then he cuts off all contact with her basically and then, revenge yeah revenge and then she he calls her up and he's like or she calls him and she's like hey what happened and he's like quote i don't know what you're talking about stephanie hangs up to get back at her for dumping him because she said he wouldn't be successful. Oh, my God. Okay, I, I'm i going to kind of uh, summarize what my favorite murder said about that. That would be a totally, like, cool, epic revenge move if it wasn't Ted Bundy. You know, but it's also uh, yeah. Ted Bundy, so it's, like, it so It just wrong. shows, like, how good he was at manipulating that he got her to say yes to an engagement. Yeah, and, like... <sighs> he got probably got so... He probably, like, felt such a power surge from that, you know, being able to get that revenge. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, basically, he sells his car, and that's the reason that they can um, get all these hair samples from his car. They connect him to Karen Campbell and uh, some other victims. So, that's yeah. basically where the evidence starts to come from. And his car is actually in a museum, the bug, which is crazy to me. But um, This is cool. I, I honestly would go see it. I'm not even lying. Like, where I, is it? I would. It's at some museum. Let me. I I don't know exactly. I know there's a it's picture right. of it around, but um, it's at a museum. <laughs> so uh, he basically gets put on trial for um, Carol. Dur- they're trying to put him on trial for the kidnapping of Carol Durant. She picks him out out of a lineup immediately. That's mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, they have enough evidence then to charge him of <laughs> aggregated kidnapping and assault. He's freed on a fifteen thousand dollar bail which is paid by his parents and while he's waiting for trial he lives with liz and uh then basically he okay so he's um found guilty for kidnapping and assault and he's sentenced uh to anywhere from one at the least to a maximum of 15 years in prison one sorry one year (laughs) for aggravated assault and kidnapping are you kidding it was attempted murder. Okay, but he it was, was charming, Emma. He was charming. It's so ridiculous to me. Yeah, one but he's year. Medium. One year in jail. But he's oh, a medium guy. Like, medium. what are you going to do? Give him more? Yeah. Are you serious? He drives a beetle. Are you kidding? I, it took him very long to connect the dots. And I think that's, you can credit that to Ted Bundy's greatest weapon, his charm. Because no one wanted him to be gu- people who didn't really know him and people who did know him wa- didn't want him to be guilty because yeah. he's just such a great guy. Yeah, and you know it made it it makes it a lot harder to convict people if you don't want them to be the bad guy. Yeah. Okay, so basically yes. Okay, so he's charged uh, for the kidnapping of Carol Durant, um, and then later that month 
he's charged with Karen Campbell's murder. They finally have enough um, evidence for it, and he's transferred to Aspen, in Aspen, Colorado, in January of 1977. So he's yeah. So he's charged in 1976, 1977, charged for his first murder. This is basically everything that the movie left out. Okay, in the movie, definitely he was just a romantic. Like, the first scene of it, they went over that, well, he was obviously in jail, and it provided super, it was definitely made for the screen, like I said. Like, the context of just being like, that's a beautiful ring, and then they just cut away and go back to his life before. So you definitely knew there was something off about him, but um, he was just some romantic, and when he was going through all the trials and courts, it, um... It didn't provide really any evidence that he was a bad guy. It was just, it was just some guy who was extremely charming. And did you think he was a bad guy? I, without the uh, like the like, okay. without the context, it doesn't seem like he's a bad guy. Okay, that's the thing I was gonna say about the trial because Chase was like they didn't really show anything bad about him in the trial. They showed the you know images. They yeah. told the story and stuff at the end. But the thing is, is that. The entire time, Ted Bundy was defending himself. And we didn't have enough evidence before the trial to say, like, oh, yeah. like Oh, yeah, he sides. definitely did it. You so know. we didn't see any of the other side. Yeah. So it was, like, basically, in terms of watching it, it's like, he's the protagonist the whole time. The evidence is just the obstacle he has to overcome. It's not like this yeah. is the truth. It was just, like, they did I don't... It's... Because at this point, if they're telling it from Liz's perspective, this is where we got to start to really understand the how heinous his crimes were. Yeah. But we didn't get there yet. We d- Okay, yeah. so we're going to... We basically decided that we're going to do the um, escapes from prison and the Florida murders in case as the last... Uh, as like a second episode to this because there is so much and we don't want to make you guys listen to two hours of podcasts on the first episode. But thank you guys so much for coming and I'll see you guys for the next episode. Like... Thank you for being on to talk about this terrible monster. Media man. Thank you for being on to talk about, ready, ready, horrible things. Uh, 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 I don't get it. Just kidding. Both the movie and the the person. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll see you guys uh, next week on Horrible Things. Thank you so much for listening to part one of our episode about Ted Bundy. And uh, thank you very much. See you next week. Bye. Caitlin, are you going to say bye? Bye. That's a good one. (laughs) 